Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 510 of Little Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined, as always, by my co-host, who's getting some renovation done in Madison, Wisconsin, but not really. It's like... I don't live in Madison, Wisconsin, Christian. I said, but not really, you know. Get my hometown right. I just say Milwaukee, even though I know it's not called Milwaukee. I'm not Milwaukee either. Put some respect on Delfield. Delfield, isn't that a Milwaukee suburb? Or no? Sure, yes. Yeah, okay. it's a Milwaukee suburb. Now you're in the burbs. It's the Pflugerville of uh, of Milwaukee, they call it. What was that a reference to? I don't, I don't know. I live in Pflugerville, uh, Texas, which is a Really? Suburb. Yeah. Wow. It's okay. very near very near Austin. This is a Hutto Got man it. right here. Yeah. This, guy, this guy lives in Hutto, and uh, this place is obsessed with hippopotamuses because they're the Hutto hippos. Yeah. So you drive around this town, and everyone has these – like Ru- concrete hippos. giant yeah. concrete hippos in their yards. That's weird. Yeah, it's That's a little weird. strange. It's a little bit of a cult thing, and that's you know, very cultish. Yeah, yeah, David moving there was definitely an, an alarming choice. I've learned a lot. Uh, it's expanded my mind to the hippo way of life, and uh, you know, yeah, they just lean into the hippo thing. Okay, it's Penn State Day, and I thought it would be a really fun time for a really uh, difficult debate. Something that I watched. David Bray, when I told him we were going to do this on the show, I watched him deliberate and groan and get so uh, nervous about having to reveal the top five Penn State wrestlers of all time. Now, getting the top five is easy, in my opinion. The order is so, so difficult. And I went... The uh, the order is open to interpretation, Christian. Is there there really a right answer? Because I don't think there's really a right answer. It'll probably be mine. But maybe not. <laughs> you know, you know who has the real answer? Kale Sanderson, and who would never give it to us. You would never give Kale. it to us, ever. So it really, it honestly, totally depends on how you prioritize what makes a wrestler great or the best. Yeah, or better. So if it's but how, 
If you look at yeah. most wins or best wins, like the best quality of competition, it's one guy. If you look at the most dominant, it's another guy. If you look at like aesthetics, it may be someone completely, completely different. Um, yeah. So how would you, uh, how do you think Kale would do it? I mean, because, you know, he, he obviously would see them in the room and, and everything. Um, so it would be really interesting to hear what he had to say. It's really unfortunate we're not going to get to hear his perspective on this one because he is probably the man who has the best answer to this question, and we will never get it. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how he would define it. Would he, just, would he just bottom line say it's, it's based on the, the accomplishments? What, what tournaments did you win you know, and how many times but did I, you do I, it? I, I feel like that even that is kind of a murky area. I mean, if you want to just straight accomplishments, it's Zane because three NCAA titles and, and two Hodge trophies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then, are we going just college stuff, or do we count David Taylor's world title, for example? Because when you say best five, I think I think college stuff is what I think. Yes. So that's that's what that's all I've looked at is their college careers, okay. right? Because for a couple reasons, one, it's just a lot simpler. Two, you know, someone like Zane and Bo and uh, even Nolf, they haven't got to realize their freestyle full yeah. potential, right? And David Taylor has been able to because he's and, been out of college a little longer. Yeah, even though and, and, I don't, I don't wrestle for a few years. Yeah, and I don't, but I will say, I don't see any of those guys, I'll say it, I don't see any of those guys reaching David Taylor's freestyle accomplishments. I don't see, I don't see a senior level world champion for any of those guys outside of, um, Outside of DT, personally. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so we know Nichols not in it for the long term, right? He, we know he's gone to fighting yeah. relatively soon. Ruth obviously left to fighting, so then it leaves just Nolth or Rutherford. Rutherford has not had that level of success, and then Nolth would have to get through uh, Dacob Burroughs, which he hasn't seemed to be able to do at the, to this point. Right. I mean, and Imar, and you know. I did you see? Did you see Imar's Twitter yesterday? No, what did he, he do? It looks like he had labrum surgery, Christian. Oh no! What? I mean, that was like a six month. Well, he had the you know the where it attaches to the body in like two places. Yeah, maybe I'll pull 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 up Imar's Twitter, or maybe it was his Instagram. Yeah, I don't said, know. He said he was going to have to have that surgery. Um, he told he told us on mm. the Vader show that he was going to have that surgery and be out for, I think five months, six months. Oh. Yeah. That hurts on multiple levels. I mean, right? I don't know why this did. It's June. Corona happened. You should have went in there and got the doctors to cut you during the beginning of Corona, and then you save a couple months. Um, yeah. You know, now he's back in January, which isn't the end of the world, but if he was back in, like, October, November, it would be much more ideal. Yeah, if he could have knocked that out in, like, yeah, April, that would have been mm-hmm. beneficial. So too bad um, – that stinks because Imar's such an interesting cog in this seventy-four kilogram story that is that is still being written, and he's he's a part of this Penn State story too, right? He's he's connected to Jason Nolf, who's mm-hmm. on this list, and Chinzo, um, who's actually outside the top five. So I think we have to first all agree on the top five are in some order: Jason Nolf, Bo Nickel, Zane Rutherford, Ed Ruth, and David Taylor. And I don't think there's a case for anyone to be off that list and add anyone else on. Do you agree? Agreed. Yep. But you know what is sort of interesting? If Chinzo had won his third title and went one one two one, 
him being off the list is so crazy. His, mm. A three-time champ, four-time finalist is is close to a. a you know, I still think he's off the list, though. I do too. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, okay. But that's just crazy how exclusive this list is. Uh, now, so how do we want to do this? How do we want to break it down? Because I have, uh, I went there's, around. There's not a good way, Christian. There's not a good way. You just got you just got shoot darts at the wall. Pick pick your poison. All right. So here's what I did. I'll give you. I'll give you my rundown. Okay. I I came it. up with um, a few criteria that I find to be the most valuable. Okay. I did okay. best wins, worst like most acceptable losses, most uh, uh, bonus rate win percentage. Then there's one that's totally my opinion, which is like fun to watch aesthetics. How much did I enjoy? This Come on, stuff? that doesn't count. It does. Yeah, it does for me. Category. Who do I enjoy? Yeah, it does. And actually, it's real to me. <laughs> and actually, since you say that, I I have. So what I did is I should just share this with Kyle Grover, and he can pull this up. No, except it would reveal everything. I'll I'll reveal it at the end. Um, but I have. These one, two, three, four, five, six criteria, and I ranked them all one through five. And whoever has the lowest score was my winner, right? Whoa, you did you went serious, Christian. I, go, I, did, not, I did not. Well, because I was looking at this list, and, and I'll give the rundown here. Um, so Ed Ruth, 143. He had a 77% bonus rate, 75 early match terminations. His best wins were Gabe Dean, Steve Bozak, Nick Amujasteggi. Mac Lunas, Robert Hamlin, Jimmy Sheptog. Okay. Jason Nolf, 118 and 3. Yep. Uh, 88% bonus point rate. Uh, 88. Can I, can, I see, can I see a spreadsheet? Can, you need to send me a spreadsheet of this. Because I, I can't memorize it all. You all got right, this I'll, on a spreadsheet, Christian? I'll screenshot this. You do. This oh, my gosh, you do. I'll <laughs> screenshot this to you. Um you really do have it on a spreadsheet. I was like, I was messing with you. Yeah, here it is. Well, you think I'm just like, I don't have these guys' stats memorized. Oh, this, is, this isn't a spreadsheet. This is, okay. Well, see, you know, I'm picturing you have the names over here, the categories over here, and then you got a spreadsheet and you got highlighted and everything. Well, I do have a, I do have a spreadsheet, but that's how I, that's how I determined the, the rankings. So, okay. Zane, 128 and four, 73% bonus rate with 76 total early match terminations. Um, Nickel, 120 and 3, 78% bonus rate, 71 early terminations. David Taylor, 134 and 3, 91% bonus rate, 53 pins, 42 techs for a total of 95 early match terminations. Okay. Okay. You, you know, the one factor, Christian, that, that is, is going to be a really big one in my mind, and I don't know how I'm going to count it, hmm. is. The only person on this list who did not register his freshman year yeah. was Zane Rutherford. Yes. Three, no, wait, no, all four of his losses came that year. And I got to assume his bonus was really low. 39%. That year. 39% as a freshman. Yep. Oof. Yep. Yep. So, yep. like, okay, so the last, last three years of Zane looked, well, like 100 and zero and like 90% bonus. He was he was eighty eight point five seven eighty nine point two nine eighty three point eight seven those last three years, so close to ninety yeah. and like a hundred now. Oh my god, that's so good. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, but wow, I, and that is one thing that I think it all evens out eventually. 
right? Because while he has that, he's got the advantage of he's got the two Hodges, so that kind of negates a little bit of that. Um, yeah. So it gets no, no, really, I'm really saying, tough. I'm saying, well, Christian, I was saying that's kind of a good good thing for him. I mean, if you honestly look at and you know this, this is one fascinating thing about what Kale's done is okay. Look at Jason Nolf, uh, David Taylor, and uh, Bo Nichols' redshirt year. They all lost matches. They all were not perfect, and mm-hmm. they all got so much better in that following year. Yes, yes. So that's like huge. I agree. I agree. Okay, why don't you guys? Um, let's go. Why don't we start with our number five? Ben, who's the the number five greatest Penn State wrestler of all time? Number five greatest Penn State wrestler of all time. Oh, that's so challenging. This this really really this is really painful for me to say. Uh, I'm gonna say Jason Nolf. Okay, that I'm hurt. Not, that, that like hurts. I don't know why that hurts, but it hurts. Because someone has to be fifth, and it's gonna yeah, hurt. Someone's gonna be fifth. David yeah. Dylan Duncan Bray. Um, well, I'm glad we can spread out the pain a little bit. Uh, and I, I, I can't believe, like, this is the worst. The worst one is number five. I've got Ed Ruth at number five. Uh, okay. Y'all are really going to hate mine. But based oh. on my criteria. Is, is neither one of those guys? Nope. Number five. Wow, okay. A two-time Hodge Trophy winner. Zane Rutherford. What? Oh, no. You're Get on drugs. You're on drugs, Get Kyle. out Listen, of here. Beat it. Okay. No, there's no explanation. You're fired. Get him out of flow's headquarters. See <laughs> on. See on. See on. doesn't listen that far out. All right, listen. Sian's going to come in when I said, and carry when you I sat down this morning, When I sat down this morning, I said, this is going to be between David Taylor and Zane Rutherford. I'm certain of it. And then I looked at this, and I was really what? having a heart. I was having a really hard time discerning how I was going to do this. So then I was like, you know what? I'll do it like this. I'll have the best wins and the worst losses, most early terminations because I really value that, bonus rate, win percentage, and fun to watch. So what hurts Zane is the fun to watch factor. I didn't find him as aesthetically pleasing as the Uh-oh, other guys. I'm sorry that we can't please you, Christian Pyle. No, it's not that I'm not I pleased. Apologize. No, no, no. It's not that I'm not pleased. It's I'm less pleased. It's just I don't enjoy it as much. His wins, he had the, in my opinion, the fourth highest quality wins. He, he had has, the single best win of anybody on this he list. He has the one, and it was negated twice by yeah. Logan. And then beyond that. But it was he, the year he should have wrestled. It was the year he should Kale was selfish. Kale didn't want Zane to be the best Penn State guy of all time, and he started him. He should have redshirted him. <laughs> oh, he'd be goodness. the best. I mean, listen, listen. Kale maybe maybe was looking out for his own undefeated record because <laughs> stop. <laughs> if he, <laughs> that's insane. Look, if he was really looking at, if he was really looking out for his uh, record, uh, he'd uh, stop uh, recruiting really good guys. Okay, obviously I'm being facetious, right? No, but in a little bit of it. Uh, someone could totally say that out of context, and it would be very hilarious if they showed that to Kale because he would get so mad at me. If he doesn't redshirt Zane, tell me Zane loses because Zane doesn't lose in a 149 pound bracket uh, in 2015. He just doesn't lose. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there's a lot of hypotheticals you could run through, right? And- Great. That I'm not running through a lot of them, Christian. I'm running through that one. Does he lose? Yes or no? No, I don't think he loses. Okay, we just crowned Zane the second ever undefeated NCAA wrestler. 
but he's not. And so, oh, rude. Well, he's not. He's not a because he's not a four-time undefeated champ. What do you want me to say? He isn't. Um, so his bonus rate was actually the lowest of all the guys because of that year. Yeah. Because, take yeah. that year away because of a year higher. he wrestled. A year that we are considering, yes. I'm offended. Uh, well, okay. Well, here's what you can't do. You can't just say because this happened after the red shirt that you're just yeah. saying – you're just literally speaking into his existence what you think would have happened, and then you're making what and, you think would have happened the reality. I chose not to do that. You chose to do it your way. But mine, I, I said I'm going to root this in as much reality as possible – and of the five criteria, only or six, only one of them is even subjective at all. Everything else is rooted in facts. Hmm. Well, isn't the isn't the best wins? Well, yeah, that's uh, somewhat subjective. A little bit subjective too. I mean, because yeah, yeah, for me, like when I saw Zane, he is he of all these guys, he has the best win. He had the four time NCAA champ Logan Steber, and he you know he beat him. I mean, he that's that is the best win. Of anybody on this list, right? But then he he lost to him twice after, which no no shame in that. It's Logan Steber for crying out loud. But he also lost to uh, Mitchell Port that year, which I know there's no shame in that, but it happened. Um, Who's his fourth one? He lost to Steber three times, right? Didn't he lose to him? No, well, it's early. Twice. No, just Big Tens. No, uh, Big Tens and NCAs. Who's the loss? Are you misrecording facts on here, Christian? He lost. Us? He lost to Logan at the Night Point Open. Uh, on... Oh, this is wrong. That's wrong. That's what this says. Russell Stat. Stats wrong. He only has three losses. Oh, yeah. He only. Has... What the hell is the Night Point Open? Uh I don't know, but he did not lose to Logan Steber seven three there. Yeah, the, the, the Night Point has... Open would be a cooler name. Yeah, Knife Point. That'd be cool. Way more exciting. Um, he can go there. Okay, so that th- throws off the statistics a little bit. But um, you know what? It's a quake take, and um, you just have to you just have to live with it. No, don't pull this up. Throw, get rid of that, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Do it, Kyle. Do no. it. No, <laughs> he has my sheet pulled up. It's no good. Um, I love it. All right. It shows how ner- it shows how nerdy you are. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You got to okay. embrace it, Christian. You make you make spreadsheets. You got to embrace your spreadsheets. I'm I'm embracing it, but I just don't want I don't want to reveal it yet. I don't want you guys to see my my moves. Okay, let's go number okay. four, Ben Askren. Well, I started, I started last time, so we should go to the opposite order. So Bray should go first, then you then. Or I should go first, I guess. Okay. My number four is Bo Nickel. Really? Interesting. Now, he has, in wow. my opinion, in my opinion, Bo Nickel has the best wins of, of any of these guys. He beat Gabe Dean, Miles Martin, Drew Foster, Colin Moore. For my money, that's four NCAA champions. Okay, you can throw Colin Moore. Say he wasn't an NCAA champion. Okay, um, maybe yeah, that's me right. saying, we'll, we'll but I, I kind of count it because who's beating that guy this year? So I think when you consider that, those are the the best wins. And when he beat Gabe Dean, and that puts him ahead of like like Ed Ruth is probably the guy for me. I went with like how many really elite guys did you beat? Whereas Zane. And you know what? You can't control your schedule or how good your weight classes are. But if your weight classes are tougher, maybe your bonus rate goes down. Maybe you don't have a – I don't know. That's well, – Well, the other part of it, Christian, you're, you're kind of discounting here is 
Um, you know, DT moved weights his sophomore junior year. Nickel moved weights three times. Yeah. Um, and obviously, and uh, Ed moved after sophomore year. So you know, Zane moved after that Fred that Richard year. Um, the more years you are when you could change late in your career, and you're already really, really, really high level, you're obviously going to beat more guys because you're going to be able to beat the guys at this weight and beat the guys at this weight. As opposed to, you know, you just can't, sometimes you can't help the fact that you didn't grow because you're going to beat both guys no matter what. Right. Right. So when you leave that prior weight class, those guys are then going to win that weight class. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. So I think that, I think that, I think we can't overcredit that just because guys grew. I mean, you know, Bo would be the most obvious one because he went through three separate weight classes. Right. Well, he beat three NCAA champions at 184, Gabe, Miles, and Drew. And so you can throw out Colin yeah. Moore and the fact that, but he never won yeah. 174, you know, and he beat Miles at 184 as well as 174. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. and, you know, Drew Foster, if you want to we'll say, okay, well, he didn't beat the NCAA champion level, Drew Foster, okay, you can say that, but the guy's still an NCAA champion. That has a lot of value to me. So he's sure. got what, what hurts Bo in this um, was the most early termination rate. He was actually the fifth, he had the fifth most. I was kind of shocked by that. I was yeah. too. Yeah. Um. Lots of lot of majors and decision. He had fifty nine falls and twelve techs. Um, which I didn't. Still a lot of pins, but it was it put him behind a lot of those guys. So that didn't help. And I don't know, man. Yeah. I. I, I had him as for aesthetics. He was my number four. Um. Out of five. Really? Aesthet- aesthet- he was the so so British is just, is just the least of what's aesthetically pleasing to Christian Biles. Well, that is that is a, number five. That is a criteria. You could almost throw and maybe I should have thrown win percentage out. Because the the margin, They're all the same. Well the, the, basically they are, but the thing yeah. that's interesting is that uh over the course of Kale's coaching career, his athletes have had fewer matches per season. So David and and Ed have like significantly more yeah. matches than the other guys. Ed has 140 wins. Yeah. David has 134. Um, and then next Zane's 128. And then it, it kind of goes down from there. Nicholas has 120 and Nolf has 118. Yeah. So it that's, that was interesting to me just as a little bit of a maybe a trend about how Kale's coaching approach has changed. I kind of want to throw out win percentage now. Because they were all like ninety six or ninety seven percent. Yeah, they, they all have three losses. Every one of them has three losses, and then yeah. so it's pretty much just like, did they get to go beat up on more bums at open tournaments or not? Yeah, you, you value that. Hey, did you, you did, did, did you did you? Damn straight, I do. <laughs> did you see? Um, I I, I got uh, I got our man. Um, uh, what's our super duck man? Jeff Rutledge. You saw Jeff Rutledge. He tried tried coming at me on. Twitter today, and I said, "Listen, listen. If they got super duck, they got to call themselves bums, and they got to like it." It was like <laughs> he had, he hit it on some good guys, apparently. He um, did. He really did. <laughs> yeah, and I know just the one. I looked over, I glanced, and it was uh, yeah. He I, had the video going. It was not as clean as the uh, the Bubba Joey I, yeah. dance. Continue. Honestly, I did not. I did not watch the full like five minute super duck highlight. So it probably got better towards the end. But, yeah, but maybe not. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, man, now I'm, a, see, this is what happens when you just like come up with criteria on the, on the spot at, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But whatever. I'm, I'm going with Ray, your turn. All right. Number four, I had 
Jason Nolf. And um, I, I have to like tip my hand a little bit, but I but I had Nolf and Nicholas really really close to each other, and and the reason that I had Nolf behind Nickel was because his because of the, the quality of wins because he didn't have as many opportunities to win in those in those big moments he did have uh, a massive win over Imar mm-hmm. that's his be- single best win um, but I, I think that's comparable to Gabe Dean who's Bo's single best win um, and then just like the 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 amount of really high quality wins that Bo had I thought was better than Nolf and I don't know how to factor this in, but like the moments in which Bo was able to execute some yeah. incredibly high level wins. Mm. Like I think about him, he wasn't supposed to beat Gabe Dean and he did. And then he, he definitely wasn't supposed to pin miles Martin in the finals the way that he did. Miles had always, you know, he, he got the better end of that rivalry, but you know, it was a question. Miles had just beat him the week before and he, and he pins him. Um, no, no. Miles didn't Miles beat him at Big Tens mm-hmm. that year? Yeah. That was the year before. Year before. Okay. Wrong year. Wrong year. Okay. Two years before. He had just beat him a year and a week before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but but anyway, so that's but anyway, that's why I have Nolf behind Nicklin. Nolf at number four. Got it. I'm not mad at that. All right, um, I go. I, I go. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say Nolf's wins. I I was super impressed with with them. I thought he had the third best group of wins out of these guys with. Having beaten Imar, yes, but Berger so many times, and Kemmer, and Heidley, and Deacon. Those are, I mean, not to, I mean, throwing like the Pantelios of the world, it's really good, but I, I think that's a really elite list, just those um, four or five guys. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for what it's worth, one of, one of Noel's problems, and that's who I'm going I'm to watch, I'm choose Noel 5, I'm going to choose Ruth 4, but Noel was the only one in this group to stay at the same weight class all four years. So I think that actually hurts him not being able to go beat a different group of people. Um, so I, I got Ruth number four, and I think the the criteria that sways me on that one is the fact that he lost um, his senior year to Gabe Dean. Like if mm-hmm. he wins that match, then he loses he loses no matches his last three years. Um, but that kind of you know put a little damper on his party. It did. I mean, he had two straight undefeated seasons. It just looked like he was going to finish with three undefeated yep. years, and he wasn't able to do so. Um, and, you know, and really, and really, Christian, no one, no one came close to him. His sophomore. I mean, there wasn't like a match where you're like, "Oh my god, he's going to lose this one." His sophomore junior year. So he has he has a third one like that. It, I mean, even Zane had the Sorensen match where you're like, "Oh, he could lose here, right?" Ruth had none of those matches sophomore or junior year. I mean, he Nothing. was a, a, a kind of untouchable, right? And then if you, if you if you make that Gabe Dean loss different where he's untouchable, so he would have been untouchable for three years. I don't think there's a lot of other people you could put in that criteria. I mean, almost almost no one. Who who could you do? No, I mean, very few. Kale? Zane, Kale. Um, no, not even Zane. Zane had the Sorensen where he almost lost. I mean, oh, I'm yeah, saying where yeah. they almost didn't yeah, untouchable three years. Who? I mean, there's nobody. I have no idea. I mean, I, I can't think of anyone. Logan Dake, lost. Dake Kyle lost, Snyder lost. Dake lost his sophomore year. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I don't think there's anyone that can make that claim. But he did lose that match, and you know what? 
he also it, it is often forgotten how close that uh semi with Gabe was to, yeah, yeah that was a close match and like the very first takedown of that match is like is that a takedown in 2020 like he gets to rear yeah. standing and Dean Gramby's out of bounds and that was two that was that was huge that was that was yeah. that was contested I didn't think that was gonna be uh two points so that that factors in as well so not only did Gabe Dean beat him he also gave him a really Really tight match. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're, so you went, no. So, so I'm first. Went, I'm first again. Yes. Okay, so for for number three, I got to pick Bo Nickel, and I don't know why because he, he had great wins, but the only season where I feel like he had one of those Penn State seasons where he just murdered everyone was his senior year. And I'm sure, statistically speaking, his junior year was really good, but I, I just don't remember having the same feeling about him. I felt like there was – and he didn't lose that year, correct? He did not. Correct. He yeah, not but I remember thinking, you know, there was a chance for, say, a Miles Martin, or I don't recall who else was at the top of that weight class to beat him. Um, so that that's why he didn't give – you know, that feeling with – even with, you know, when Ed lost that senior year we talking about, I didn't think anyone was going to touch Ed. I thought he, you know, everyone was here. Ed was here. I felt the same way about Noel for, um, you know, his last three years. Um, I felt the same way about David Taylor, right? Obviously, his sophomore and senior year. But Nickel, I didn't feel that way about until his senior year. Senior year, it was obvious no one was going to touch him. Yeah, and, and that's interesting. The that that was your perception his junior year because I'm trying to put myself. I have a hard time kind of de- deleting. Back to the point, like, how did I feel going into Big Tens and NCAAs with, with Bo? And mm-hmm. I, I know I'm, I'm sure we all picked him to win the matches, but I don't remember my perception like you do, Ben, of, yeah, he yeah. could lose, or did I think he could was touchable? I don't remember how I was looking well, at Well, I mean – I probably thought he would. I mean, I was one of the few people that picked him to beat Gabe his sophomore year. Um, yeah. So I always kind of skewed a little bit on the aggressive of positivity for Bo Nichols. Maybe I didn't, but – um, I, I see your I see your perspective. I mean, he was certainly untouchable his senior year. Mm-hmm. But I think I do think he has the best wins of the bunch. Um, yeah, Bo. Bo. But yeah. again, he's he changed weight class so many times that that kind of makes that it, it uh, enhances that maybe un, unfairly to other people. Perhaps yes. And that's that's why you have more. That's why it's not my only criteria, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because like because the Drew he, Foster, the Drew Foster thing, Christian. If, if Nickel stays at one eighty four, Drew Foster's not winning one eighty four. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. Um. Scientifically, and you know that's why you know he gets the benefit of the best wins. But to me, he has the fourth worst losses, or he had the second worst losses of the bunch because he lost to Nate Jackson. He had a loss to Miles. A couple losses to Miles Martin. So I th- I factored those in. Um, I mean, it's it's really there's nothing but nits to pick with with these guys, but Nit, nits to pick. Yeah, that's all that's left. That's all there you're, is. You're just picking them. So okay, now we're at num- your number three was Bo. I got Bo. Yes. Okay. Great. Yeah, I, I I think I already showed my hand a little bit here, but also I have Bo Nickel at number three, um, and and Ben, your perception was definitely right about his dominance senior year. His 
bonus rates, the first three years were 65, 77, and 74. And then his senior year jumped to 90%. Uh, so he just, yeah. you know, he, he really distanced himself that year. And um, yeah, I have him ahead of three. And, and like I said before, it was about him and him and Nolf. And I, I just, the, for me, the wins was what uh, pushed him up and, and the way in which he, he got a couple of those wins. But it is interesting to think about, I, you know, you guys were saying it, his wins could be considered very different if, if he'd stayed at the same weight. Also, mm-hmm. a lot of the way we think about his, you know, one of his best wins is Miles Martin because he's an NCAA champ and he had the ability to prevent him from being an NCAA champ. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's the point there. It is interesting. I mean, he, you know, that he's the one that kind of made, made, well, Miles made himself an NCAA champ, but, uh, you know, Bo had the opportunity. He was on the, oh, you can't say allowed, allowed to be. Yeah, Bo Bo right. had the opportunity to deny him, and he didn't. So yeah. interesting, but uh, but still, I thought his wins were better, and that was why I had him above Nolf. Yes. So for number three for me was Ed Ruth. Um, a couple things that helped him was he had the best win percentage, which I've already said maybe I shouldn't even include it because they're mm-hmm. all so similar. Um, as far as wins go, I thought he had the second best wins of the bunch having beaten Gabe Dean, Steve Bozak, uh, who were both NCAA champions, both Cornell 84-pounders, interestingly, Nick Amuchastegui, uh, Mac Lunas, so he really beat a lot of good Cornell wrestlers is the lesson here. Robert Hamlin uh, was a finalist. Jimmy Sheptock a finalist. Logan Storley, a four-time AA. I'm pretty sure he texted Storley on multiple occasions. Nick Heflin, who was a, an NCAA finalist. So he beat a lot of really good guys. He had 75 early terminations, 46 pins, 29 techs, and 33 majors get for a 77% bonus rate. Um, his loss, he had uh, – I put him down for the worst losses of this bunch because he lost to Mike Letts his freshman mm-hmm. year. And then he had the Dean loss his, his senior year. And then he had uh, – I count the Amucha Steggy. I know it was an injury default, but I kind of count that as a loss. Like I know it's – Maybe I'm like in he, he was he was losing he was fair. losing at the time and like uh, maybe I'm not being even here because Jason Nolf I do not count a yeah. John Van Brill loss I refuse you shouldn't I refuse that to count is, that yeah. as a loss and, you should uh, refuse yeah I'm I'm actively refusing that sorry John Van Brill uh, I, I'm not giving you a win over Jason Nolf so yeah so that's why I went with Ed as as number three overall um, I I definitely see a case for him being at at five, right? I, I could understand that because he had the, a loss his senior year, which I don't think, yeah, none of these guys had a loss their senior year. But yes, it's it's so it's so unbelievably close with these guys. And I loved watching Ed wrestle. I thought he was so – I don't think we've seen anything like him since really. There's been other guys that can score, but the way he scored and the ease and just, I don't know, the fluidity I, I find uh, – I found it to be very, very exciting yeah. to watch. I mean, one of the things that's interesting about Ed, you know, I feel like, and maybe David would be probably the most most similar to Ed, but Ed, even with his top game, was very smooth. You know, you think of Rutherford, you think very forceful, right? Got yeah. his uh, bow, bow and arrow or broke him down flat and then whatever. Ed was just as so smooth as the turns. That's kind of where David was also, where they were um, – you know, not as they didn't use force as much, and that was kind of unique the way they did that. Yeah, I mean, how would you describe his crossface cradle? Yeah, I, I, it's not just like he just like hulks it over. It's it's no. so technical. It's boom, boom, and you know the the way the the thing why in my opinion why it's his weight has just shifted 
slightly more forward to the point where most people are scared to go there because they'll fall off, but he understands that he has a great feel for it. And so he can put his weight in a position where it's going to allow him to get significantly more cradles and, and probably not either not fall off and get reversed. And that's, uh, you know, to me, that's a technical thing. Yeah. It's, so it's interesting, you know, watching him cradle guys for, you know, four years, he, he just could so quickly just collect that arm and pull it in and then connect it in a way that, yes. I, I mean, I've seen Bo do that. I've seen all these guys do that, but he was able to do it so consistently. So I, I just refused to believe that was a, a power thing. There was just something different he was able to figure out um, that we haven't yeah. really seen replicated. Bracky yeah, said, yeah, Bracky sent a note. And he said, people forget that Amuchastegui was, uh, that Ed was actually beating Amuchastegui when he took injury time the first time. Yes, he got the first takedown. And then, and then he was injured. And then Amuchastegui took the lead, and then the, the default happened. So, um, the, the, yeah, the super strange thing about that one for me is that somehow magically Ed wrestled back and won two matches and took third place there, which allows him allows Penn State to win that title. But you know, if he, if he took the injury there, and it was I don't know Ed, so I can't I can't say exactly what his deal was. Uh, but for him to then wrestle back two matches after having the injury default, that's kind of strange to me. Yeah, and I mean, he had didn't didn't he have Lunas again on the backside? Yeah, he beat Lunas and Heinrich on the backside. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, because when he beat those guys at the Southern <coughs> Scuffle, weren't they one and two? Lunas was definitely one. Heinrich was like two or so. So, yeah, those are incredible wins um, on the backside. So that's a good point. Yeah, seventy four was amazing that year. I wish we could have seen him wrestle uh, Reader, Reader that year. Mm-hmm. Those were yeah. those were the two best. It, it would have been. Really something. And it would have been interesting because Kale coached John for so long, yeah. right? Knows him intimately. And that probably would have uh, been pretty tough for him. But, yeah, he uh, he had a great backside run beating Lunas. I think Glasser was actually his round of 12 match, and it was like ended up being kind of close. Scott oh. Glasser of Minnesota. Could be misremembering that slightly, but I know he wrestled Glasser. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Ed Ruth was my number three. Then we go Solid to, choice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, do I start? Not like, your Zane, not, not like your Zane pick. That was dog crap. I know. <laughs> I, was, I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with this, but um, I knew that none of you guys would have that in there. So I was like, you know what? We'll just uh, throw a monkey wrench in the works. My number two is Jason Nolf. Um, some of the big... Uh, factors that led to him. He is my second favorite to watch of this bunch. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just thought he was as unpredictable and exciting and unique a guy as we'd, we'd really seen. And it's not just like, you know, the Winn-Dixie and the, the front flip double leg defense. It's, I liked how he would, he was like a cat playing with, playing with <laughs> a mouse sometimes. He would cover on top and just grab their ankles and flip them up and throw. It's like he was just very, just different. And I really liked watching him wrestle. He had a crazy pace and a lot of different ways to win. The other thing that helped him is he had the, in my opinion, most acceptable losses. He lost to one man, Isaiah Martinez, his entire career. Yeah. Over four years. Most acceptable. Yes. So best, worst losses, however you want to say it. He lost to his or his or most acceptable. He lost to a guy that was looked like he was on the trajectory to be a four time champ, and he also beat that guy once. So I think when you consider that really helped him, 
And he had the second highest bonus rate of this bunch and the second most early terminations, which if you had asked me this morning, if you had asked me this morning who that was, I would not have said it was Jason Off. I probably would have said he'd be fourth or fifth on this list. But I would he had have said that also. He had 61 pins and 27 techs for 88 uh, terminations, right? Early match terminations. And an 88% bonus rate. We talked about this the other day. A a bunch of his non-bonus were that year that he got hurt. Between the Big Ten and the NCAAs. So many of those. It would have been been higher. Yeah. It would have been higher. And so I think the bonus rate, the acceptable losses, he had the third best bunch of wins and the aesthetics – Made him, even though he would never won the Hodge, he was, um, you know, so he was never voted the best for any one year. Uh, he wound mm-hmm. up number two for me based on those criteria. And if you throw out fun to watch, he was, or uh, if you throw out win percentage, he's still my number two. So there it is. Dang. Man, you made a great argument for Jason Nolf, and now I feel like Dick for having it at number five. Uh, well, I had I had Zane Rutherford at five, so that, well, that that was the. That, that wasn't you being mean. That was you making a really bad decision with your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you seem well, Ben. You say that, but you seem to be mostly accepting of my choices. Otherwise, right? You seem to understand my rationale, and my rationales are the same, right? The reason well, I to, to, well, the reason to, I conclude yeah. Jason Nolf is where he is is the exact reason I concluded Zane Rutherford where he is. To, to tell you the truth, there's no good and bad answers to this, this yeah, debate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zane at five could be the only bad one. <laughs> That's it. Just that one. Just yeah. that one. Okay. All right. For me, number two is David Taylor. Oh, man. Um, so he, he uh, you know, obviously there are only two guys left for me, and it's it's Zane and David. Um, David, compared to Zane, his his – Best win, not quite as good as, as Zane's best win of Logan Steber. And so that was, you know, that was a big piece of it for me. And then two titles instead of instead of uh, three. Yeah. And also Zane had those three undefeated seasons. Um, so that that was why. His his bonus rate, his just like sheer dominance, other than his three losses, all of which were to NCAA champions, two of which were to Kyle Dake, who's a four-time champ. Mm-hmm. Um, those are extremely acceptable losses so uh so yeah so david's number two it's his bonus rate and his dominance that that puts him above the three guys below him but it's uh it's those two titles and um kind of lacking that one that single one really incredible win uh that the other guys had i in fact i think his single best win is is the maybe lowest quality of anybody else on this list because um nickel and ed have dean uh, Nolf has Imar and Zane has Logan Steber. Right. No, I, I think it's true. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Good perspective. Ben? I agree with everything that David Bray said. I would pretty much just recap his argument. Uh, I have David Taylor at number two also for the exact same reasons. Okay. My number two. Wait, I already said this, didn't I? Which means we're now at number one. Yes. Which is my turn. I, I picked Zane um, because he had three straight undefeated seasons, and I am I am going to take into account the fact that he was the only one to not redshirt, and if he does redshirt, I do not believe he loses that following season. I believe he is undefeated four-time NCAA champion. Um, he has two Hodge trophies. 
He was incredibly dominant. Really, you, you know, we talk about being far and away. I believe the only really comp- highly competitive match he had his last two years was the Sorensen at Carver. I don't really think anyone came all that close to beating him. Maybe there's one other close match against, um, I don't recall what the Oklahoma State 49 name was right now. Blaking. Wasn't there a close match there? Relatively close? Yes, it was like a 2-1 riding time win. Yeah. I guess. So, you know, yeah, that was that was not a great match for him. So he has two relatively close matches, and besides that, you know, utterly dominant. Utterly dominant, but against admittedly the least impressive. Maybe. But he stayed in the same way, he, but he made them all least impressive, right? So if Zane wins 149 as a sophomore and then says, does like Bo Nickel and moves up, then – Someone wins that weight class that he beat her, and you're saying that guy's an NCAA champion, and then he moves up again. Someone else wins that weight class, and right, and now he's beaten multiple NCAA champions. Yes, I yes. Mean, well, and you know what? The other thing is, like, listen, I, uh, <laughs> I remember <laughs> Willie and I won uh, at Flow Nationals one year, like screamed at each other over the Hodge vote. <laughs> Because I was just adamant Zane should have won it his sophomore year. And by literally every measurement, he was better than Daringer that year other than, like, number of accomplishments, which is impossible because he was a sophomore. So I've always been like, dude, Zane really was the best guy for three straight years. So, I mean, I think you can very reasonably. And he made a world team in college. That's crazy. Senior Mm, world team in college, which we didn't really factor that in. But while we're just saying it. Um, I'll just say that. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, so number one for me was also Zane Rutherford. And I, I don't have a whole lot to add to what Ben said. Um, I, yeah, I did. I looked at those true freshman seasons and, um, you know, we, we didn't factor those in, obviously, because for everybody else, because Zane was the only one who competed uh, in the lineup. But um, the other guys had, had pretty decent true freshman years, but not nearly as good as, as no. Zane's. Uh, I know that's a little bit immaterial. Um, you know, David had two losses. Both were to teammates, right? right. Uh, Ed had three losses. Nickel had two. One was Andy McCulley. Um, Knopf had one. His only loss was James Green. So his, his true freshman year was, was really impressive. He beat Real Buto. Beat Real Buto. Yeah, um, that's a good way. So, so I, I, I had Zane number one. Bracky sent a, sent another note in the chat. He said he reminded us that uh, Zane also had a two one win over B J Clegan. Yes, um, which that was, I think that was a sophomore. Ooh, year. I forgot about that. That, 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 was that is sophomore, a close yeah. one. But yeah, his I mean, just his his three undefeated seasons and the win over Steber were were what put him at number one for me. Yes, yes. Um, so via process of elimination, you guys know that David Taylor is my number one choice. Um, he was my favorite to watch. I found him the most fun. That helped him a lot. He had the second most um, acceptable losses, in my opinion, having only lost to his old teammate, Bubba Jenkins, and maybe the second best to ever do it, ever in the history of college wrestling, Kyle Dake. And he was right there in those matches as well. So when you factor that, that he was – even if he threw out the aesthetic portion, which you may find too subjective, his early termination and bonus rate were both number one. So not only did he have the highest bonus rate, but he had the most get off the match before seven minutes was up. With um, th- This guy had nine decisions in four years. 
That but is, Kristen, I'm sure all, all of them would be similar. Really, all of them would be really close to that. They're close, but his is his is the best. 90, 91% bonus rate, and he wrestled okay, more yeah. matches, right? So, well, that, but, that, but that likely means, I mean, when you say more matches, that actually, it's like me going to the Central Missouri State Open. I, I'm going to go 100% bonus at that tournament, right? So those extra matches are probably all easier matches where he was almost guaranteed to go bonus. Maybe, maybe that's it. You know, they had the no. Well, they all—they're all wrestling. Okay, what's the toughest part of the schedule? Big Ten duels, Big Ten, Big Ten tournament, uh, NCAA scuffle. tournament, and probably scuffle, right? And mm-hmm. so those are all the same for all of them, except uh, during Noff's junior year, he he didn't wrestle a few, a couple of those matches that that could have, you know, potentially. Lowered his bonus because he got hurt. He, he got hurt. Yeah, he was hurt and he, and he defaulted out. Um, I don't know. But that was the year. Was that seventeen? That was no, that was eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. But that was. Um, but he had most of his decisions come that NCAA, yeah. either that NCAA's or that Big Ten's. Yeah. Another thing for David, while we're talking about things that maybe aren't aren't factored on a numerically, is like he was, and and I know Ed was along uh, as well, and those two did it together. But he was—he really carried the torch and got it going at Penn State, and he was the—he sure. um, was the face of that program, fair or not, in my opinion. For he was the one that followed Kale and really believed. You know, Ed was there. I don't think that really should factor in, but yeah. there is something to that. Like he said, "I will follow Kale, and we'll realize this dream, and we'll do it together." And he realized every aspect of it. Right? Not only did he win two Hodge trophies. But then it, he fulfilled it on the senior level, which I know I said we're not really factoring in. But um, yes. it all kind of – I think he's the most – is he the best Penn State wrestler of all time? I'm not sure. But I think he's the most important Penn State wrestler of all time. I, I would agree with that. Yes. That, I, I would disagree with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Nolf had three dis- – in the, between the Big Tens and the NCAAs, he had three three of his decisions there, and then he had – um, two majors, so you know, two non-ending matches out of what's out of seven matches total. Listen to the so David's that, David's three uh, four NCAA tournaments. He had eleven pins, two techs, just three decisions. Yeah, that's wild. NCAA's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, I you know when I think about David Taylor's career, like a couple of the most important matches were were the Bubba Jenkins match and then and then the Dake matches, um, and he was so dominant and the, he he did lose those, which is why I I think his 2018 World Championships run was so impressive because he had guys at that level, guys that like you know his whole path through it was like can he can he beat these guys starting with Yazdani and then he gets you know a big win over Tora Blanca and then he, that crazy match with Karugliev where he's probably concussed definitely concussed um, and and he just I mean he just gritted out those matches that that were maybe i don't know maybe 50 50 kind of matches and um he didn't have a ton of opportunities to wrestle in those matches in college but that those dake and bubba losses were were tough so for him to get that win in in 2018 it was like all right i just felt he's on a new level now you know he's he's beating these guys he's not i don't know if not supposed to is the right way to describe it but definitely could lose to um you know what What else would be interesting for 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 David is if 
Howe would not have redshirted that one year at 165 because he, I think that was 2012, um, because Howe had beat, Howe beat him at the trials that year. And that was the year that David beat up on Brandon Hatch in the finals. And there was no other, you know, super competitive matches for him. That would have been one that could, um, have either right helped him by giving him another like oh my god he beat this guy or hurt him if he had, takes a loss. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You know, there's there's kind of a what if you could say with almost every one of these guys, right? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's definitely one for for David. Okay, so no agreement between the three of us. I think that's <laughs> well. That I, okay, so if we go if we go you know two out of three wins. Zane wins. Uh-huh. If we did the total points, I totaled up the points for us. Okay. Um, it goes. How it goes Christian from. from you. <laughs> it goes. Ruth. Ruth six points. Noel seven points. Nickel eight points. Zane eleven. DT thirteen. Okay, so it'd be DT Zane. Some. Uh, nickel. Nickel. Noel for Ruth. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that either. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty. You should story. you guys should put up a poll. Can you put up a poll? Where they can make five choices or no? Is it possible? I don't know. Um, it should be it should be possible if it's not. Here we go. One, two, three. No, just four. Darn uh, it! Darn it! Twitter. But but do you know on, no on Twitter you only get to pick one though where you actually have to list them one through five. That's where it'd be interesting for me. Oh yeah, if everyone could like throw it in order. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. yeah. That'd be that'd be fun to do. Um, not, not to throw shade on on David's bracket, but in twenty twelve I just pulled it back up when that was the year that um Andrew Howe redshirted. The number two seed in that bracket was Shane Onifer. I know. Shout yeah. out Wyoming. That's a yeah. That's but that's like you it know was like Asper, Onifer. I mean Hatchet was a surprise finalist in a it was a weak weight. Yeah, Hatchet came a, from the eleven. Yeah. This group is like well, there can't be another group of five people like this in a in a nine year span. The worst loss no. of any of these five guys is an All American Mike Letts. Yes. Let's make a deal. Yeah. The fresh freshman year. That's that's like the the big trivia question with Ed is like who did he lose to his freshman year? That's not Muchastegi. He lost to him at the Nittany Lion Open. Um, nice. I pinned Mike Letts once. Did you? Wow. wow. Yeah, in my uh, first period, baby. Was Robin Ficker there? We were listening to a little Ficker, uh, Ficker talk today. He, he said, let's make a deal. He, he takes you down, you, he, you give him two points or something like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, the man. You know, Ficker cornered me when I wrestled Jake, uh, came out of retirement to wrestle That's right. uh, Jake Herbert at Midlands because <laughs> I didn't have a coach. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, who knows? I didn't listen to him. I just wanted some entertainment. <laughs> That was a good choice. That was a good choice. Uh, okay, so very, very great list. And you think about Zane Rutherford kind of connected the two eras, right? You had He was at the very end of the Ed, Ed David era, and then he kind of was the leader of the Nolf Zane. The, the other thing I've been thinking about during all this Penn State research for this film, every single one of these guys was on four – Title teams, yeah, they all won all their years. None of them were on a, that 2015 team. That's crazy. Um, Seriously, yeah, it, it's it's a pretty pretty wild wild run. And you know the the thing is, you can't 
because after Ed David, and kind of one of the interesting things and one of the points of the film that's discussed is like, okay, well, you're you just they got lightning in the bottle with with Ed and David, and it won't happen again. And then it happened again. And even though we don't see it, it happened again, maybe to a higher degree, because instead of two, they had three. And now we're saying, okay, now it's maybe really for real not happening again. But who knows? Well, and not only did they not only did they have three instead of two, but they also had Chenzo and Hall, <laughs> who would be who would be on a top five list for most teams. Yeah, yeah. Most or a like, Nico. Nico be up there for most teams. Nico, G Hulk, you know, Gorilla. Uh, he, Frank was a four time All American, uh, multiple finalist. Quentin Wright. Quentin, yeah. Holy crap. We need to, oh so I, gosh. someone needs to do like the top 20 Penn State wrestlers of all time. That would be really, really interesting. I nominate Spay. <sighs> Spay will just make me mad. He'll do a good job, though. <laughs> uh, He'll do something stupid like put Zane at five. Really make me mad. How high on the list will Phil Davis be? That's what I want to know. I don't know if he's top ten, which is crazy. He's probably right around top ten. Yeah. There's this. Uh, I'm gonna go out there. There's this guy in in the chat on on Facebook who has pretty much the worst takes ever. Nice. Um, I mean, <laughs> well, like they're they're really they're really bad. But his most recent thing. I don't know if I should even say his name, but you guys can see him on Facebook. His most recent take is Colette's best move was to intentionally put himself in a potentially dangerous position. When people got in on his legs, cheap as Hades. I don't think it's, it's like, oh my god, how do you not understand wrestling to the level to understand that Kerry Colette's an effing wizard? And you know, if the referees actually understood what he was doing, they would not call punch dangerous. He was scored. It was his detriment, not to his benefit. You dope. Colette's <laughs> best move was was putting his knee in best. That's a that's a great go to. Describe your offense. Uh, I get a lot of potentially dangerouses. Wow, there you have it, Kerry Colat, one of the greats. Who really? I I, th- I think that this guy might just be trying to rile people up. Like earlier, he said, "I discount Rutherford for his lack of diversity of technique." <laughs> well, that I mean, you say that, but that was kind of why he was like my least favorite to watch. Yeah, I yeah. said it was a terrible take with you too. Is he your, so is he your favorite guy to watch of, of the Penn State Five? No, but when I'm including best wrestlers, I'm not including who I like to watch. I'm including stuff that's actually relevant to the discussion. I don't know. I bet it's the, the, <laughs> artist, the artistry or the um, you know how you feel when you watch them, I think there is something for that, right? I think there just is a different audience for Zane Rutherford's aesthetics. Remember that, remember that MTV just, show, Bully Beatdown? He was kind of like watching that <laughs> show. <laughs> it's yeah. just a totally different topic. I mean, if we want to talk about most fun people to watch, we can have that discussion. I just, all I'm saying is, I don't really feel as though it has a place in this discussion. I don't disagree. Um, <laughs> like, you know what? If we want to pick number one, I'm picking Quentin Wright because God only knows what happened when he goes out there. It's wild. Who knows? <laughs> I know. He, I know for a fact he's going to hit seventy six Grambies, whether it's working or not. Underneath <laughs> that guy was the Grambian <laughs> son of a gun. Um, yeah, you're. But you're right. He would. Uh, remember when uh, Ben yeah, so cockily said he knew he was going to beat beat him because he, he wasn't going to let him underhook because he's not a dummy. <laughs> Like, like it's that simple to not get underhooked by Quentin Wright. It's like Ben. Yes, ben has all you these. Just put your elbow to your no, side no. and grab that. No, hand. Ben. Sometimes it's easy. you need a reality check that 
The things you're describing are not as simple as you think. I'm not a dummy. I'm not going to have an underhook. I would never get super ducked because I'm not a bum. Meanwhile, there's many, <laughs> multiple All-Americans that have been super ducked. And yet, um, you know, maybe, maybe just bums. See, yeah. <laughs> so you're just alienating the common folk, Ben. Oh, man. All right. I'm having fun here on the show. Hey, we're, having, we're having a great show. We're having a good time. Yeah, good times, great oldies. Hey, we gotta got to <laughs> mention... The Penn State film, We Are, Kale's First Decade, Episode 1, is coming out tonight, 7 Central, 8 Eastern. I don't know where you live, though. It's good. It's awesome. Yeah, it's super good. You're going to love it. And um, one of the interesting things is, like, you know, if you're tired of Penn State, it's like, oh, my gosh, really? I have to watch. But there's there's enough pain in there that I think you'll be like, all right, it's not all – the, the, the overall theme for all three episodes is unquestionably Penn State is the best. They're the greatest. They're Kale's the best. They've had the greatest wrestlers. But there's there's real drama in these. And there's it's not always been just so perfect. Um, so, um, but Christian, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to those people right now. Okay. Throw your, throw your jealousy away. <laughs> throw, throw it away. Leave it at the door. Penn State is strictly enjoyable to watch wrestling unless you hate them because of your jealousy. That is the only way you can explain not enjoying watching uh, David Taylor or Ed Ruth or Jason Nolf wrestle. That, that's it. Like, there's no other explanation. You cannot come up with them besides you are jealous and you're sad that they're winning. That's it. Like, and I don't want them to win every single time because that's boring. So I, I, I get where you're coming from. Not you, Christian, but the audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, but leave it at the door. They're they're just enjoyable to watch, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, absolutely right. Okay, hey, some plug plugs. One, you can buy um, Flow Sports shirts now, so you don't have to hit me up. Oh, nice ask for one. So shop.flowsports.tv. You can get this one. You can't get that one. I didn't see that one on there. Make um, me an offer. Yeah, make me honestly for this one. Make me an offer. You know, it could be. This is a game worn jersey right here. Yeah. So in like the NFL, if this was like an Aaron Rodgers thing, uh, it'd be worth a lot of money. So just think about that. Uh, my DMs are open. But yeah, check those out because it's it's funny because for literally ever, everyone just wants flow stuff. They hit you up. I get I don't know how many times I've been asked, "Yo, hook it up with a flow shirt." Like we just have them laying around in boxes. <laughs> it's like I I remember I got asked so many times, and the flow shirt I had for like the first I don't know two to three years was Bader's old shirt that he just gave me when I started. And it was from, like, the London Olympics, and they had, like, the 2012 and the American flag. <laughs> so I, was, I literally just had Bader's old shirt was mine, and people were like, ask so much for one. Which is why we had the bootlegging situation <laughs> with, bootlegging. with LJ and Sion making their dang bootleg ones. And I'd be like, yo, hook it up, LJ. Let me get a bootleg flow shirt. Because mm-hmm. the times were tough, okay? You do anything for a flow shirt. So now... You can actually have one. I kind of really like the exclusivity of having a flow shirt. Yeah. Like if you got one, it was like you got to know someone or be like Jordan Oliver or something. You know, the first flow shirt I got was also a Mark Bader flow shirt. <laughs> Mark Bader Mark has Bader. distributed He'll give you a shirt off his back. He, no, literally. No. Literally. The, when he, when I, for the first time I, I worked with Mark in person, I think uh, maybe the second time. But um, I went to the 2012 Olympic trials. And, you know, like drove through the night, got to Iowa City, crashed in the hotel room with with uh, Mark and Joe and Bader's like, hey, do you have 
you have, you have a flow shirt. You have, like, what are you gonna wear? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And he he did. He literally took his shirt off that he was wearing. It was like plenty, you know, plenty sweaty. Had been had been worn and worked in all day. He's like, here, he's like, here you go. It's like okay. So I wore it for the for the next couple of days at the Olympic trials. Did you nice. wash it? Did you? Wash I, did, it? I didn't wash it before. I I didn't have like access to a washer. I'm just wearing. I'm just smelling like Bader. Listen, if Bader, oh, you got magic twenty twelve. Like, Bader has smell like shirt. Bader. Yeah, man. Bader doesn't smell. You would you would think maybe he'd be a smelly listen, hippie guy. He doesn't smell. Just mostly listen. smell like his deodorant. Okay. You know? Guys, listen. I have traveled extensively with Mark Bader, and while he has fairly good hygiene for what his hair situation looks like, you would think it'd be worse. <laughs> I have. It, in fact, smelled Mark Bader, and it does not smell pleasant. I think in general, one time, Christian, Christian, one time we went to Northern California, oh and this man refused to shower on the whole trip. He didn't shower for like seven days. <laughs> okay, I don't know what was going on with him then. He's not like that he now. Just, he showers. He <laughs> Why? We hiked, we hiked Mount Lassen, a volcano, up and down. He wouldn't shower. I don't know what his damn problem was. Oh, my gosh. He must have smelled like a locker room. That's terrible. <laughs> well, listen, he's evolved since that time. I think he was just messing with you, Ben. Um, <laughs> no, he wasn't. That was that was Mark Bader. Like, that's like – like we're talking about, like, the essence of Mark Bader. That's him. <laughs> he's a big hygiene guy now. He's, he's, he's hygienic enough. So, Normal, well, of- yeah. I was going to say, speaking of shirt off their back in Mark Bader, I was, I was thinking back. This is not as happy a, a thing, but Mike DeRoe is such an awesome guy. And I remember on the on the Final X road trip, we uh, we stopped by in 2018 to see him. And Bader, I think, did it. I think we were picking Bader up. He was doing an interview with him. We were kind of split up in Iowa. He was doing something with him. And DeRoe came out and, and was hanging. And literally, as we were leaving, he takes this. He, the USA wrestling polo off off his off and gives it to Bader and Bader wore it and he, I know he still has that USA wrestling shirt so um, circle of life Mark Bader giving the shirt off his back and getting it from uh, an absolute legend Mike Darrow. Um rest in peace because he was an awesome guy um, sorry that's not that's not very fun but it happened mm-hmm. and Mike Darrow's great um, okay there's no way to segue well from that so i'll just do a, a read real quick and then we'll move on okay okay and then i know ben's chomping at the bit for something hey this show flow wrestling radio live is brought to you by rx sports the official cbd partner of flow wrestling the all-natural highly concentrated cbd product perfect for all your training recovery needs visit rxsports.com slash flow sports for an automatic 20 percent discount off your entire order Defy your pain with RX Sports. And um, Bray has stopped using it as eye drops, and that's made all the difference for him. Yeah, I decided to defy my pain by taking it the way it's meant to be taken. And uh, <laughs> my eyes <laughs> no longer water incessantly. Yeah. All right, Ben, you were saying? Um, Karen McCoy. Uh, a few people, including my friend John Veal, have brought him up as a Penn State guy. He would probably Ooh. be the best Penn Stater, Ben's there prior. So I just heard, he he had a really poor freshman year. Remember, he started as a true freshman and he lost like eighteen matches. Yeah, uh, or maybe maybe somewhere around there. I think mean, he was like five hundred, right? But then he redshirted, and then his last three years, um, I believe he won three NCAA titles, or maybe took second, second, first, first, and then he did win a Hodge Trophy senior year. So Dang. I think he's in consideration, but. 
Obviously, when, he's kind of he's also kind of not because when you have every other guy who has three losses and he has eighteen, you kind of got to kick him out. Well, he's not in the I, yeah. It'd be tough for him to get in the top five, but he's he'd definitely be a top ten guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's probably possibly at six. I mean, when you he so he, it says he won one hundred thirty one of his last one hundred thirty two matches, yeah. um, and and a Hodge Trophy. Yeah, he, he's very very far up there. Yes, indeed. All right, let's go. Uh, why don't we transition to to questions from friends? We've got them. Let's hear from let's them. Let's do it. Okay, from this guy, um, we have a correction from last show. Oh, Christian Piles chunky drinks chunky milk. Okay, this is the guy that <laughs> said Jack Medley only had two years left, and Bracky said no, he has one. So he goes, I listened to five hundred ninety-eight. State my case. Medley's is on Michigan's roster as a registered sophomore. Not sure if it's a typo, but I believe he registered his freshman year. Owen Piles, you do drink chunky milk. And then Bracky goes, <laughs> Bracky goes, dang it, that's my bad. I was working on Michigan depth chart when listening to FRL yesterday, and for some reason I had him listed as a senior. I guess I'm the one who drinks chunky milk. So Kyle Bracky drinks chunky milk, and I do not. So there you have it. Um, yeah. But Jack Madley oh. does have two years left, so there's going to be some conflict there. Because he looks like a twenty-five for the long haul, and he can do like yes. he can do like three hundred push-ups without stopping, like no problem. Can he just like run a marathon for, off the couch for fun? Wrestlers like, are just like... running marathons on a whim now. They're so bored they can't mm-hmm. wrestle. They're just running. They're turning into ultra marathoners. It's really impressive. A lot of a lot of, a lot of us are back to wrestling now, Christian. Yeah, that was it. The marathon thing was so so a month ago. Oh, yeah, that was a month. Ago. <laughs> Dude, if you can run a marathon here in Austin, Texas, you're you're a real. You're a beast because it has been brutal this last like week or so. What 100 degrees? Yeah, it was a it was a well. My car thermometer said 102 yesterday when I left work, so that was pretty Jeez. pretty spicy. I don't know if we even want to do this one, but here we go. I'll just read it from Drew Best. What, who's your favorite PSU underdog? What was special about their postseason run? I mean, I, I don't know. It's like yeah, I'd have to have a know, list James English placed after being like third string much of the year, and they don't win. It's probably him because they don't win NCAs in 2014 without James English. He was not. Even oh, wait, I know. No, Christian, I know yours. It's Chris Quentin Wright wins the title from number nine, and yeah, he wins it from the nine, and they don't win NCAs without him doing that. His pin yeah. of Gambrel in the semis locked it up. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm. Big Quentin Wright guy, so maybe mm-hmm. it's maybe it's Quentin. It's hard to think of him as an underdog when he's a three-time uh, or two-time champ, yeah. three-time finalist. Yeah, but um, but he was, he was, he was then for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's Quentin Wright, very fun guy. Okay, Quentin Wright, but also James English, and I don't even know who the other underdogs were. I mean, Bo Nickel was technically. I mean, dude, Chinzo pinning Imar is insane. The inside tripped him and pinned him. That was that was not supposed to happen. I don't know, man. Well, a, fr- a freshman beating two-time champ Imar. I don't know. That that to me was the most that was the most jaw-dropping thing. My jaw literally dropped. I didn't believe what my eyes were seeing. And I knew Chinzo was really really good, but I just I had not allowed the possibility of that happening. Chenzo Hall and Nickel in a row were not none of them were necessarily supposed to win, right? I mean they all they all could, but Bo beat Mark at Big Tens. Um I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Bo year. Jordan beat Mark at Big Tens and, and mm-hmm. Gabe Dean was two time champ and, and uh 
was going to probably, he might have won the Hodge. Him or Zane were going to win the Hodge. Yeah, I year. mean, I, I, you know, it was like five finalists. I, I remember thinking five finalists, but two to three. Zane and Nolf are going to win, and maybe they get one of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so that whole run was, was, was kind of an underdog run. You don't think of underdogs when you think Penn State. Yeah. No, not really. Not but th- those are good choices. I still, I do Quentin Wright still, but I liked, uh, I liked the Chenzo one. That's a really good one. Oh my gosh! From William Gawkel, shouldn't AWA wrestle Pinnacle, MWC, and Seabolt? I would love it. We're missing. Some, we were, we're missing some competition, Christian. Not good. We miss it. We miss it. Why we miss competition? Yeah, I know. Set it up. <laughs> all right, you set it up. <laughs> you got all those guys' numbers. Um. Uh, I actually don't. Well, I have, what I have, I have one of the numbers on that list. Paulson, right? Yeah. Well, uh, Jared Lawrence. Jared Lawrence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are the chances we get Jeff Rutledge and Ben to wrestle off, preferably after the hip surgery, just so we can see a flawless super duck executed on some hipless bum? Listen, I don't need I don't need a new hip. I have a terrible hip, and he can try super duck me all he wants, and it just won't happen. I'll it just won't happen. You're unsuper duckable. Unsuperductible. Wow. You know why? You know why? I mean, I'm just going to explain the semantics of this. I don't sprawl. I don't sprawl, so I can't get superduct. And to get partied on in a superduct, you got to sprawl. Listen, if he superducts me, I'm just going to turn around and meet him on the other side. <laughs> All right. All right. So so Coach Rutledge, superduct, Steve Fittery, Ethan Kyle, Manny Rivera, and Zach Bailey. All on the highlight. He says they can't be considered <laughs> bums. That is true. Steve Fittery was a bad dude. But yeah. it doesn't matter. Ben Askren says this, they're bums. Is this guy paying you to go get people to watch his highlight? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, he mon- maybe that's the one thing uh, YouTube hasn't demonetized yet is the Jeff Rutledge uh, Superduck <laughs> Super highlight. It's the only thing. It's coming. He- <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Um, so Aaron Darrow, any chance Spencer Lee would bump to 133 just to prove he's the goat of college wrestling? You think he could win 133? I know it doesn't make sense for their team, but would strengthen his legacy. Yeah, I don't think it. Up. One, he would not bump up. Two, if he bumped up and won 133, I don't think that would make him the goat either. Like no. Kale, Kale Sanderson never lost to anyone ever. Like kid, these kids, these kids, Christian throw on goat all the time. They don't actually mean goat. Yeah, FYI. everyone's a yeah. goat. But if everyone's a goat, no one's a goat. We have to restore some order. And Kale is the unquestionable goat, and yes, it would yeah, it would require Spencer Lee to not have lost to for him to enter that. I mean, is there? Would you ever consider anyone that they could surpass Kale with a loss? It, no, not really. You got to go one fifty nine zero. Also, this dude didn't miss any matches. He wrestled forty matches. A year. Yeah. Yeah, none year of these now. guys wrestled 160 matches. Yeah. Right? He, none yeah. of these Penn State guys did. Spencer really can't be the GOAT, but imagine him in a bracket with Sebastian Rivera, Dayton Fix, Devon Mijic, RBY. So much fun. It would be insane. It would definitely be a um, – yeah, if he went up and won that, that would be mind-blowing, especially if, if uh, Nick Soriano comes back. Oh, Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It would be awesome. Be I would love so it. So much fun. But, yeah, it makes no sense for Iowa. I don't think it makes sense for Spencer. Spencer is not a big 25, right? No. Yes. So 33 would be insane. Though, 
If you're putting a gun to my head and you said, hey, Spencer Lee decided right now to go 133, I would pick him to win that tournament. Yes. I'd say he beats all those guys. Fight me. Um, okay, <laughs> Paul Jacobson asks me, would I do a man in the middle against Zane Nolf and Chinzo for an exclusive interview with Kale? Now, one, I don't know the exact. Uh, um, what What is a man in the middle? Is that like? It means they're, it's shark bait. They're all shark bait, okay. Yeah. yeah. So how, how how much pain am I? I mean, how much, how much wrestling am I doing with these guys? You're not going to die, Christian. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, is it like a day-long situation? Maybe I, maybe I would die, but like I could get beat on for, you know, a half hour, an hour, two hours. These guys. I'd, I'd be okay for an exclusive with Kale. One hour. No holds barred. Cage match. Maybe not a cage match. Yeah. You I don't want to bar a couple holds. I don't want – yeah, I might want to bar that, bar a few. But, yeah, no, I would do that for sure. Um, I can take a beating. No problem. um (laughs) one of my specialties in fact um wow this is kind of shots fired at ben so i'll read it and let him just dunk on this dude does ben get does ben get paid more to bring up keegan's late uh late high school development no i get paid the same no matter what um i'm sorry that i'm bringing up the truth and, and you guys don't want to hear about it I actually saw. I was trying to find a tweet, but you guys, you guys, flow posted that Gary Toner also thinks to, uh, talent does not uh, does not exist. Man, uh, he would, which is he, fantastic. Yeah, his rationale was so was actually. I was like, man, get him on on this show. It, it'd be a yeah, it'd be yeah. A, a much no, it'd be a much less formidable opponent than you. Um, I'm, gonna try <laughs> to, I'm gonna try to find that. Um, so um, no, anyway, so let me just. I'll, I'll just kind of go on this. Is. Um, Listen, we we believe at AWA that people can develop late in life. I just I just brought up another kid last night. There was a kid we had. I, he I just checked to confirm he went zero two at, at Freestyle State and got teched and pinned in two matches as an eighth grader. He is a junior now, and Flo has not ranked him because you have, I don't think you guys have taken the seniors out yet. But he just got ranked on the open mat national ranking. So he went from you know a kid who went zero two and got pinned and teched it. Um, freestyle state to a kid who's nationally ranked just a couple years later. We've had that happen many, many times now because we believe in the kids' abilities to be developed later, and it does happen on a very regular basis. Yes. No, I think it's worth it. So Gary Tonin said, talent is a myth substantiated by those of lesser skill and industriousness. It's a word that allows people to sleep at night when they've given up on their dreams. People are born with different attributes that ease success in certain areas, which is basically how I define talent. So Gary Tonin actually agrees with me. But no one is born, born born a world champion. Well, no crap, Gary Tonin. Um, he proved. He <laughs> oh, Gary Tonin's gonna come break your leg. He's gonna you talk like sassy like that, damn. He's gonna snap your ankle. I like Gary Tonin. A he's lot. gonna come in here with his Five Guys awesome. T-shirt on, and he is going. Yes, to Gary Tonin is yep. awesome. He is a really. He's a. He's a listen, good, but you you talk about taking pain. You want the pain to change. Listen, you don't want the pain to Gary no. Tonin. It no, I don't want any jujitsu pain. I can just get snapped down and <laughs> taken down and double-legged and put down. I'm not even – listen, so I'm, I am I do a little jujitsu, and anytime anyone even grabs my foot or anything, I don't – I'm so, like, unaware of what's happening. I just immediately tap. I'm like, I don't know what could happen here. And one thing they say about, like, heel hooks, Ben, you probably know a little bit more, is, like, uh, uh, yeah. you don't really – it just – all of a sudden it happens and the, your knee just pops, huh. and it's, like, it's yeah. destroyed. So it's like, well, I don't know if I'm even in a heel hook, so I'm just tapping because I'm not – I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I mean, freaking – I'm not going to – listen, I'll get choked and I'll hold – I do not – like I'll be in a triangle oh forever and if I go out in a choke, I don't really care. 
but I'm not getting a freak. I'm not, I can't get knee surgery for a recreational activity. It's just not going to happen. Agreed. So I'm just tapping. Yeah. Uh, it's not Agreed. worth it. I was like curious about what it, what those leg lock things are. And then I saw this video of Tex Johnson snapping a baseball bat with his yeah. leg lock. And I, I know he's not, no. even, he's not even like one of the best. He's just no. pretty good. He's just a leg locker. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. He, I think he broke up. He snapped Felipe Pena. Yeah, these guys, no, no, thank you. No part of Gary Tonin. That's yeah. that's where I bow out. But I'm glad he agrees. I'm glad he agrees with me about talent, though. Um, okay, next from Nick Croninger. What stand out to you as moments of this kid has arrived moments? Seabass beating Lee at Midlands is up there. Somehow Pitch beating Lee isn't. When did you realize certain wrestlers were stars? So I don't know exactly what, what he means here. Um, yeah. That's that's tough to define. It's kind of two different. It's it's stardom is really interesting in wrestling because you don't really understand why. You don't exactly why you know maybe sort of why like why is Sebastian Rivera a bigger star than um, Nick Piccinini? Is it probably a great example? They both have like iconic wins. Yeah, I don't know if it's like Seabass's. You know, Pitch is a more understated individual in interviews and and sebastian's more of a a showman big talker whereas nick is less that way right um maybe it's that maybe it's a jersey thing that could be a part of it i it's really interesting what makes some of these guys like sick like austin DeSanto is the most popular college wrestler like he is he's also the most hated but he is he is unquestionably probably the most popular. People are so annoyed by the fact I don't. So you guys see all the numbers, and you guys can say that with a fair level of certainty. People are so annoyed by that fact. I, including my, I will say I'm slightly annoyed, but I know it is the truth um, that he does better numbers than anybody. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just hate numbers. I think people really like him. So what were the arrived moments? I don't know what they are, um, and I don't know what what makes him. But it's not always just a win, right? Like yeah. Bubba, Bubba, for as great as he was, I don't feel like he like took off until he beat David Taylor. Yeah. Like I was a junior world champion, in NCAA finals, but until he beat, it's like wow. Then it's machine gun Bubba and all this and that. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, but back at that time, Christian, I mean, you you couldn't watch a lot of matches live. About the only matches you were gonna watch live were NCAs. So the only time you could become a star was, in fact, NCAs. And now it's different. We could see all these other matches throughout the season. Um, and yeah, but that star quality, it is fairly hard to define. Extremely. Uh, Dave Welkel, when does cowboy wrestling get back on top of the wrestling world? Well, they're they're doing the things you would want to do if you want to get back on top with having really really good recruiting classes. Yeah. Um, so now they just need to develop really already very good wrestlers, and uh, if they do that, there isn't a there isn't an overwhelming dominant force. In terms of what is known, right? It's like if there's yeah. unknown, and, and Penn State is thought to be they're going to be the team for the future, probably just because Penn State. But it's not because we know exactly who's going to do that. Is it going to be a Michael Beard or a Carter Storaki? We think Carter Storaki is going to be really good, and we feel Robbie Howard and Bo Bartlett and these guys are going to have really good careers. But they have to realize it. So I would say, yeah. you know, Oklahoma State, they've won national titles before. John Smith knows how to develop guys. They just have to do it with this this crop. Yes. And they need to make their lineup fit. Um, how does Ben Askren think Max Roscoff from NC State will do in his UFC debut this weekend? 
Um, I don't know who he's fighting, uh, but I'm high. I'm Rob. I really liked him. I worked out with him a few times when I was uh, visiting NC State back in the day. We always used to fly in there before going to Super 32, get a workout in their room. Um, I, I always liked Max. I, I thought he was awesome. I'm excited that he's uh, you know, getting a shot. It's very early on in his career. I think, I think he's only like 7 0. He's probably only been fighting for uh, like two years. Well, 5 0. So he's been, but he's been, only been fighting for maybe two years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I hopefully he does really well. What's his game in uh, MMA? I know he has a decent jujitsu background. Yeah, so I'm, I haven't seen him fight because it's been all small stuff. But yeah, I mean, he he was really you know, he's a legger, um, scrambled a lot. So I think he you know I think he actually did some jujitsu while in college. So I think he yeah. probably took very very easily and very well to it, as many wrestlers do. Um, so then the question would be, has he been able to develop his striking and does his wrestling actually implement implement to MMA? Who do you think emulates Kale's style the best? Asks Lyle Gray. David. Yeah, yeah it is David, right? Yeah, it's that one. I think that one's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know even who's been. There, there's, there's components of Kale that you see in the guys with their their collar tie ability. I think Bo. Yeah. I think Bo has has a solid ankle pick, but they're all really different. I think it's part of like the Penn State difference is that there's not there's like little elements that they all pick from, but there's not yeah. there's not an archetype, right? And Correct. a lot of a lot of David's emulation of Kale's style came from David watching him as a youth wrestler yeah. and developing that skill in his own workouts, not at Penn, he didn't go to Penn State and then become exactly. like Kale Sanderson. He already was he already was like that because he idolized him growing up and um you know, compared to Ed Ruth, who like didn't even like know that much. He, he, there's an interview where Ed Ruth talks about like I didn't really know how good Kale Sanderson was. Like, I didn't, yeah. But so I think that was part of it. It wasn't like oh, he kind of grew up emulating. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that's something that that David makes mention of repeatedly. Is like I watched this guy, saw what he did at NCAs. I was like, I want to wrestle like that. So he really crafted a style that is the closest facsimile to Kale Sanderson we've seen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real last question. Hey, Ben, ask can we take me to Culver's to get some custard next time I'm in Wisconsin? I will not take you to Culver's because Culver's wow. is, although it's made in Wisconsin, it is corporate. We have other local custard stands, which, in my opinion, are better. And that is where I'll take you. Okay. Perfect. So I'm getting the point is I'm getting custard. Really? You're getting where, custard. You are getting custard. Where it's from, it doesn't matter. Um, just two, two, two guys enjoying some custard. What's, what's not to love? <laughs> All right. Um, 9.44. Hey, one minute of free time. Thanks so much for listening. We're ready to go. Be sure to watch. Mm. We are Kale's first decade. What a decade it's been. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, you're really going to like it. 7 Central, 8 Eastern. Check it out. Um, it's going to be really, really good. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. If you like Bad Blood, I think you might even like this even more. Taylor Swift's my favorite. Ta- what? <laughs> Did someone dare you to say bad that? Blood. Bad, no, Bad Blood. Taylor Swift. My oh, kids, yeah. I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old girl, and they jam it all the time. They carry on the Alexa. Love it. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like... Oh, I actually don't like Taylor thing. Swift, Christian. You love like her. her. Whatever. I do not. Um, Kyle Brackey loves Taylor Swift. Did you know that? Legitimately. Thanks, Taylor That's Swift. embarrassing. Let's, let's harass him. <laughs> we will. He'll be back, you know, in July, allegedly, and we'll make fun of him then. Just don't forget. Deal. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, don't listen to Taylor Swift. Watch Flow Films. See you tomorrow. Thanks.